Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile, with a special holiday message. If you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of our plans, even unlimited. Now, I realize this is more of a holiday offer than it is a holiday message, but if you read between the lines, you can see a message in there. It says we love you. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch for the offer. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. And welcome to another week's My Kind of Weird. On this My Kind of Weird, we're looking at the vineyard or the vineyard, which was published by Aftershock Comics. Aftershock obviously going through a whole world of hurt where where it comes to it looks like they are owing a fair bit of money to different creators and such. I'm not really going to talk about that so much. We're going to go through and do a bit of a read-through. If you're on the YouTube, then you're going to be able to see this in its entirety. If not, and you're listening to the audio-only version on our podcast feed, then hopefully my sweet, monotonous tones will do it for you. So The Vineyard is written by Brian Hawkins, The art is by Sammy Cavella, uh, colouring by Jason Wordy. And the lettering is by Taylor Esposito. So The Vineyard is a comic book that's now collected as a graphic novel that's broken down into five separate parts. As we delve into part one, you get sort of the feeling of a comic book that is very much going to touch into the more of the fantasy aspects of horror. So with these first couple of pages, you look at and you see a young woman who, or, or a woman, I should say, who is being, who is beside herself and she's grabbing uh, a corpse and carrying a corpse outside of a, uh, a car and taking it, and about to put it on the altar of what looks like something out of a very sort of um, occultic, supernatural horror film. In fact, this uh, comic book, this graphic novel, The Vineyard, probably has a bit of a kinship to uh, movies like um, uh, The Apostle, uh, uh, films like um, uh, they only um, uh, no one gets out of here alive. Uh, uh, you know those sorts of uh, horror films that really lend to, to the idea that there's that humans are living on a, a world that used to be filled with sort of your old gods. But now um, they are, the the horror in it is that the, those old gods are supernatural in nature. They can control uh, what we see, what we feel, how we act. But in this case, with uh, the um, with the vineyard, 
we're getting that uh, idea uh, and I guess that concept quite clearly. With this sort of page, the the woman that who has presented that corpse into an altar is none other than sort of the matriarch of this family who has this, um, I guess, lifelong or even generation-long agreement with the Greek god Dionysus. Now, it's an interesting sort of concept here. If we look at Dionysus or or Bacchus, um, for instance, um, Dionysus was was seen as sort of the the god of fertility, um, often seen as um, a uh, I guess linked to pleasure. He was often seen as the god of wine. And the Romans called him Bacchus, which is quite interesting um, in itself and how there was a shared sort of um, uh, gods uh, in across both cultures. But Dionysus was the son of the gods Zeus and Smell um, uh, because um, Zeus liked to have sex with his wives and his daughters and, uh, you know, a little bit uh, awkward that sometimes they were both. And sort of Dionysus was the one that was born from that to uh, partnership. The interesting facts about this and the linkage here um, is the, uh, the writer has taken has done a little bit of homework and taken the aspects of Dionysus and the uh, the demons that were often seen as his sort of his um, familiars or um, uh, disciples, if you will, um, uh, known as maenads or bacchae or possessed women as such, other ones that are pictured throughout uh, the the vineyard as the ones that are sort of pulling the strings amongst the family that run the vineyard. As we delve into the graphic novel, we're given this idea that there's this agreement between the uh, the family that run the vineyard and the uh, the god Dionysus that in order to produce great wine and in order for them to be profitable, they need to uh, provide uh, sacrifices. The sacrifices, as they go, are usually in the, in the form of uh, young, attractive women, as, as tends to be the case with these kinds of stories. But um, here it's an interesting dynamic because you have the, the family and that is most, mostly a patriarchy that has agreed to um, the the uh, the sort of the selling of their souls to produce great wine and to um, for their uh, property and and vineyard to be pro- uh, to be profitable and for um, riches and wealth to come their way. The the um, the father who uh, seems to be quite. Uh, content with the arrangement that is happening, so content, in fact, that when members of his family are refusing 
to sort of acquiesce or agree or even do their parts to maintain the status quo, that a lot of anger uh, happens. Throughout the comic book, you see sort of the, the Maynards here um, and all the uh, Dionysus uh, slave girls, if you will, uh, often doing what they can to allure and seduce the um, the two, uh, well, the the father, and as we'll see later in this, uh, the son as well. In fact, there's the constant backdrop of even though there's uh, some sort of evil at play, you see sort of the juxtaposition of visitors to the vineyard being totally unawares um, and being happy to um, enjoy the wine that this vineyard is producing, as you can see right there. Now, as we, the irony of it all is that as the the mother is or the wife is unhappy to continue the arrangement, she's also, she's always happy to go back to the wine, to the drop that's being produced, which gives this, this idea of, um, which gives this idea that, uh, that, she is intrinsically tied to the vineyard and there's absolutely no escape for her, for her family, that they're in in this regardless of what they do. Now, part one takes us, after the introduction, part one takes us into the, um, I guess, the the perspective of the the son and how he's been roped into the, into the arrangements of being uh, the one who takes over, the one who is then responsible for the uh, providing the sacrifices to Dionysus, which in turn makes uh, makes sure that um, the the crops will be plentiful, the wine will be plenty, and that the riches will th- uh, flow through. So here we see. The son, after accepting that arrangement and doing what he can to seduce the this young woman, you see sort of the 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 constant thread of him being pulled and um, prodded by the maenads as they try to control what he does, how he acts, and why he's doing things. So it gives this this sort of this idea that um, that there's that there's no escape for him that but at the same time what what is interesting is as he seduces them there's sort of like this um this viral sort of agent that gets into the the would be the would be uh sacrifice if you will turning them into a part of nature and it gives this idea that um that of uh, going back to the fertility um, element of Dionysus and and how uh, by this person being sacrificed, it ensures that the land will become plentiful and um, fertile. Interesting, though, while the Maynads are the ones that are behind the scenes pulling the strings throughout um, the first part of the book, you're not really sure if they are the ones who, uh, I mean, if they're real. 
or if it's just in the in the head of the father and the son. But in this scene, in part two, early on, after he provides that sort of that sacrifice, as the the young woman that he's looking to sacrifice has been corrupted by the sort of this viral agent that's getting into, and she's gradually turning into like a, a plant by the looks of it, or a fauna. We can see that uh, the son here, he's clearly interacting with one of the maenads. He's clearly in a position where he's getting seduced by her or it, and then um, he reaches a climax which ends in the almost uh, death of the, the woman that he's about to sacrifice. Having taking her... The per, the woman is to sacrifice to the altar. He finally plunges the knife into her chest and uh, completing the sacrifice, resulting in the maenad sort of dancing around in glee. So that's a that's an interesting, uh, I guess, results. It's an interesting juxtaposition. It's a an interesting element. Um, and it's interesting how it goes back to the idea of um, uh, Greek mythology, the the uh, and almost um, goes back to the idea of uh, and linking it to this being almost occultic, or at least that blend of the occult mixed with the supernatural and mythology as well. So, um, but with the the hues, I find it interesting the hues that are used throughout with the colouring, the blues and the greens against the reds, it's almost a complete clash, which works because the complete clash is a complete clash of different um, dynamics throughout the overall story. So you've got the the uh, woman that's sort of dying and being infected by the um, by the virus that is being unleashed upon her by Dionysus, you have the um, the elements of the the rage piece from the the killer in this case the son, and then you also have the different uh, dynamic of the the dancing maenads from being quite pleased that he's doing their bidding to them dancing around in ecstasy as uh, the uh, the young woman there is murdered. So that's a that's an interesting sort of range there. Um, so it's a clash of uh, form, of substance, but also of themes as well. Now that we're really into the thick of things with part two of this graphic novel, we we're introduced to the daughter. Um, so, completing the idea that this is a sort of a um, nuclear family that has been corrupted, she's uh, she's not happy that she's returned home. The daughter that is, but she's sort of happy that her her boyfriend is with her when. They've re- when now that she's returned, the the father isn't really happy that she's returned. He doesn't know why uh, his wife has asked for the daughter reto- to be returned because she's previously um, refused to accept the tradition of the family, the agreement and the bond that they have with the god Dionysus, and also the the idea of um, sacrificing and doing her part to sacrifice. 
to ensure that they have um, uh, continued wealth, riches, and so that they're constantly provided for. You see here in this page as well, you see the going back to the idea of reinforcing the vi- the vineyard by having the bottles there and the the panels here that show the characters uh, taking a drink of wine, um, which again solidifies that link between the vineyard, between the horrors that are about to unfold and that are unfolding, and between the um, the uh, the darkness here. However, the interesting thing here is that the daughter seems blissfully unaware of the Dionysus plot. Um, she, there's this scene where she basically goes to the the altar, which is under a big tree, and was basically like "fuck you" for ruining my family and ruining the relationship of uh, my mother and father, um, only to be comforted by her her brother. Um, the, this is then juxtaposed against um, a scene where the the mother is um, in some sexy lingerie and doing the MILF thing and um, tries to do what she can to, uh, to basically mend things between her and her husband. Um, however, we kind of sort of get this feeling that while this this will work in this instance, he is forever seduced by Dionysus. The fast forward to the daughter hopping back into bed with the uh, with her um I guess her boyfriend that she's brought in tow. She we see this sort of this um, panel which shows one of the maenads overlooking the two of them. And the look on the facials, which is um, quite expertly done by Sammy Cavella, gives us this idea that the union between the boyfriend and the daughter is uh, one that is to be upset and um, with because the uh, the goodness between the two of them seems to be an affront to what Dionysus represents and the, uh, I guess, potential... Um, uh, threat it, it can pose to them. As we turn the page, we then see uh, the son praying to Dionysus at the altar, which in turn informs this idea of, well, not this idea, in turn uh, has progresses to two maenads um, having what looks to be a, um, uh, I, I guess, an, a threesome with him as the third Maynard is upstairs playing around with the um with uh the daughter's boyfriend uh while he sleeps. And not really playing around in a sexual way, but sort of like touching his lips and his face and just being in absolute creep as as she or it goes about it. We then turn on to turn the page onto um, chapter three. Chapter three starts in a good way, in the way all good graphic novels do, by um, two people having sex. Um, so um, the son is having sex with uh, one of the visitors to the vineyard, um, and then um, 
as the woman in question leaves, we can see that um, he's doing it just to seduce and gain another victim, potential victim for Dionysus uh, as the Maynard uh, um, sort of embraces him in almost a loving way, which is a bit strange, um, uh, adding to the the sort of the um, the creepy element uh, as the Maynard and the son, like, watch this woman he's just had sex with uh, leave the room. So this third chapter uh, explores the relationship with the um, the boyfriend of the daughter and how it seems quite uh, loving and uh, sort of uh, normal compared to the, the rest of the shit fuckery that's going on with um, the rest of the family. Um, you see them running the vineyard as, as a whole, but you then the the argument uh, uh, the arguments form around how the vineyard should be run, which brings us back to, from a family that had the opportunity to sort things out, but instead goes back to a dysfunctional unit which is being controlled and pulled uh, in all different directions by the the sort of the the cultic supernatural uh, Dionysus, um, sort of like sort of uh, like almost blood bond at this point. Um, this um, can and does provide uh, prove to form a rift between uh, the son and the daughter. Um, a rift which her boyfriend does what he can to um, back her up. Um, they decide to console each other, but then we find out that in the end, the issues that exist between the daughter and the rest of the family are issues that aren't really going to go away. Despite... Um, the sexual encounter that the husband and his wife had in the previous chapter, we find out that he ultimately sees his wife and his daughter as faithless and ignorant, as having no faith to the um, to the idea of if um, if Dionysus exists or whether or not and ignorant to the fact that Dionysus is providing them with lots of, um, with stability, essentially. The interesting thing here is that Dionysus seduces and his sort of familiars is seducing and sort of playing around with the feelings of this family. But if they would just embrace the idea of Dionysus, maybe they, the issues of the family would uh at least minimize so it's an interesting irony there as the daughter and her boyfriend retreat to um and have a sexual interlude we're then seeing the son adonis um by the way i forgot to mention his name adonis um having Another quickie with the girl that he, we saw him with at the start of the chapter, only for him to kill her and for the boyfriend of Adonis's sister 
to see it in plain sight from the killing initially to the sacrifice. It's all there and it really freaks him out. As we go to chapter four, we're, we're given um, lots of reasons to love this, this entire um, uh, graphic novel, this comic, this mini series. I mean, as you see, um, uh, the uh, the mother getting up uh, and she's nude, and you see sort of the the moonlight uh, uh, shining off her sort of her bare skin. That is something that only an expert um, colorist could could uh, provide us with. It's it's to the point where it's it's bringing us out of reality and inserting us in this comic book and making us believe that this um this horror fantasy is way more real than it actually is we start to see things that start to unraveling as the boyfriend approaches adonis the two of them go uh like confronted and in a typical uh you know, sort of horror trope. They fight until one of them dies. Meanwhile, the woman that Adonis has sacrificed, we see this panel where we see her being dragged into this sort of this gaping chasm in the tree, which could be a hint at uh, the the feministic quality of um, fertility by dragging the corpse straight into the um, the vagina of the tree, as it were. There's really just no other sensitive way to put it. It can sort of be giving a bit of a, uh, I guess, be inspired by the the idea that Dionysus, as the Greek god of fertility, needs to take something from those who are fertile in order to give back to the land. We see the, uh, as you can probably uh, appreciate, the uh, Adonis takes out the um, boyfriend only in a dramatic way for his his, um, sister to find out Dionysus is a real thing. They are in communion with uh, sort of an evil Greek god, and she accuses the father, her father, of putting them in this awful situation, which is interesting because as she's about to um, holding up a knife, like a pocket knife, um, to saying that she should kill him, on the flip side, on the page previous, there's sort of this um, this foreshadowing as uh, Adonis is holding a knife up to and about to sacrifice uh, his sister's boyfriend, who is now uh, well being infected by um, uh, Dionysus's, um, I guess, uh, you know, um, uh, charm. Well, not charm so much, but uh, the uh, the the infection that has turned all the previous 
um, the uh, the previous victims into a into uh, willing uh, well into trees basically, but also willing um, uh, sacrifices. When it's done, or just as it's about to be done, as he's holding it, his knife up, he's being embraced and urged on by the Maynads and his sister is his sister is running to the to Adonis trying to figure uh trying to figure out what is going why he's doing what he's doing and urging him to stop much to the dismay and anger of the Maynads only for Dionysus to show his true face with the idea that the evil is really resting within the actions of uh, Adonis because up until this point he didn't really have to do what he did. He didn't really have to sacrifice those people. The mother decides to come out of nowhere and stab him in sort of the jugular because she knows that this is... um, so this is uh, her fault for letting it get this far, but she also knows that her son has caused a lot of harm to people out there, to these people in the um, in the book. With the death of uh, Adonis and falling to the ground, this causes Dionysus to retreat back into itself and to absorb Adonis's body back into the tree itself, leaving the mother and daughter to sob over the uh, the now dead body of her boyfriend um, as we we come to an end I mean and this this is just a perfect uh, graphic novel or miniseries that has been collected as a graphic novel because it gives us, it covers off many different areas around um, mythology, form. Uh, there's different uh, colouring elements that and styles that takes us into almost a neo-noir or what I would argue you could call a um, post-black exploitation style without having the whole um, uh, I guess topography in there as well, black exploitation photography, but um, at the same time, uh, we we see a real fantasy horror element going on. The um, uh, the dryads there, or uh, and uh, the way that they can uh, seduce um, the those who are faithful to them. And the gradual sort of uh, reveal of Dionysus being a a true uh, being versus the idea that the uh, Adonis and his father were really just um, seeing things and believed in their own collective bullshit and were um, uh, and were crazy is in turn uh, it, it turns out that. That this is uh, this is real, not just to them, but in re- reality, in their own reality, and that there is an old god out there that's controlling everything and controlling the the I guess the needs and the future of this family. So the vineyard, 
by writer Brian Hawkins, artist Sammy Cavella, Jason Wordy, the colorist who really just hit it out of the park, and Taylor Esposito, the letterer, who has really um, uh, found a way to provide the cement and the linkage between the, the writing, art, and colouring. This is a team that's unfortunately with the way that the um, Aftershock comics is going, this is a team that I've, I fear might not work together again under Aftershock comics, but I would like to see them take on something new within the horror fantasy genre or just any genre in, 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 in all. Um, so with that said... I'm going to go listen to some very occultic black metal and I'll drop in next week with you guys for the next podcast episode. Thanks. Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party. Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free comedy to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.